0: We're not used to um, seeing Jesus like that It's uncomfortable, isn't it? Maybe you're thinking i well that's too much i i wasn't prepared for that that's a little heavy. Maybe the truth is is that we have somehow tamed the cross and and unintentionally sanitized, sterilized What, what Jesus actually experienced on the cross so that somehow it's more palatable, digestible for us. But doesn't it make sense that we would want to fully see doesn't it make sense that we would want to really get it? This key moment in his life, that we would want to fully embrace what Jesus has done for us. And wouldn't we want the world around us to fully see, to fully get it? Yeah, may we never lose sight of this. In fact, I think think it would do us a lot of good to get a fresh look. And maybe for the first time ever, a really, really close look to what Jesus did for us. Unfiltered, unglamorized, just the reality. And that's why we're doing this series. I think we're going to, at the end of this series, have a much better look at what Jesus did for us, for the world, past, present, and future. When he gave his life on a cross. And, and we're going to look at this by talking about, in the next few weeks, starting today, last words. Last words are very interesting because I think we all assume that someone's last words are very significant things. Very significant for many reasons. Especially when we know that they are going to be someone's last words. Because, see... Eventually, we'll all say our last words and we won't always know. You don't always know when the last thing you say is gonna be the last thing you say, right? We can all just drop dead. We could all car accident, heart attack, aneurysm, stroke, and not realize that, oh, that last conversation I had with her, with him, with them was the last conversation. Now, we all know that that's a possibility. But yet, at the same time, We also, a lot of us have had the experience where we were with a loved one and they knew that they were approaching their final moments and we knew they were approaching their final moments and we had a conversation and we knew last words, those last conversations, those last phrases are significant, especially when they're intentional. They're even more important. Now, we know that Jesus knew his last words were his last words. We know that Jesus knew he was approaching death. And so we look at the things Jesus said in his final moments, and he said a few things, and we're going to do this series based upon those things that Jesus said when he was dying, hanging on a cross for us. And we're going to look at those last words, intentionally said, intentionally placed, intentionally meant for us to learn about him, to learn about us. His last words help us us understand what he saw on the cross, what he felt. And what we'll discover is that these last words were anything but the end. In fact, when we're done, as we approach Easter, we will um, begin to see more and more that these last words were kind of tipping us all off, that it was actually just somehow going to be just the beginning which is a good thing to celebrate. You might be thinking, okay, well, this is interesting, man. I got to tell you, this is, this is quite fascinating stuff, um, but I don't know what's got to do with me. <laughs> All right, what, what's this, how's this going to help me in my life? Because I got bills to pay, I got issues at work, and uh, my marriage is on the rocks, and my kids are driving me nuts, and I got this long list of things to do at the house, and it's, it's pretty sunny out, and we haven't seen the sun since, yeah. We don't know. And I need to get stuff done. And I am just grateful to know this information. But what's I got to do with my real life? Well, that's an honest. That's an honest question. First of all, it's going to help all of us get to see the real Jesus. You're like, well, still, what's I got to do with anything? Just hang with me. Not culture's idea of what Jesus is, not maybe the Jesus you grew up with, and and maybe not even the Jesus that church experience has painted for you in the past. No, the real Jesus, a little bit more understanding on what he was really like and what was really going on. Because, see, when you understand who the real Jesus is, when you get a view of who he is, with what he's really like, it will impact everything. All the issues that you're facing in life, it impacts everything from your money to your finances to things to jobs to, to relationship, marriage, kids, all that stuff, decisions you have to make. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is gonna help you get a greater understanding of who Jesus is and form a deeper connection to him. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is at least gonna help you understand why all of this is a big deal to your Christian friends. Why all of this is a big deal To people in a church. We're going to start today looking at Jesus's last words and how some of his last words help us see just how human Jesus was. It's going to help us understand Jesus' humanity a little bit more, that he was a human just like me, just like you. One of the greatest mysteries in the world when it comes to theological things and uh, Jesus things and Bible things, one of the greatest mysteries of all time is that how Jesus at the same time could be Fully divine and fully human. At the same time, not 50-50, not half and half, not some kind of mutant like where he's half God and half man. No, 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 no. 100% God and 100% man all wrapped up in flesh and bone at the same time. That is a mind blower. I cannot explain that to you. I cannot help you figure all that out. I don't have a nice little formula or outline or explanation to make us go, oh, yeah, I see how that works. It's one of those mysteries. It is nonetheless true, though. Most of the time we have no problem understanding Jesus is God because after all, I I mean, he opened blinded eyes and he raised the dead. He walked on water. And so we get the whole thing that Jesus is God. flesh and bone. But this thing about Jesus being human, what's that about? I mean, honestly, and and how how does that help me understand Jesus better? Well, let's begin with this. Let's talk about Jesus's humanity. Jesus knew what it was like. He knows what it's like to be human because he was human. Did you know, think about this, most of Jesus's life, we don't have information on most of Jesus's life, we don't, we don't have written about in the scriptures, in the Bible, in the New Testament. I mean, we have the beginning part where he was born in Bethlehem, Major, Mary and Joseph, and then the shepherds. And then, and then a couple of years later, the wise men. But he then, Mary and Joseph, take him to Egypt to flee the persecution of King Herod. All that happened in the first couple of years of Jesus's life. We got all kinds of information on that. But then it goes silent from like age two to age 12. And then Jesus appears again in the story and he's at the temple and he's dumbfounding the religious leaders of the day. And then we don't see anything else or hear anything much from Jesus until he becomes age 30 and starts his earthly ministry. And those last three years is when all the action really, really happened. So, you've got a period of about 10 years and a period of about 18 years, like 28 years of Jesus' 33 years on earth, we don't have details about. But I can promise you those years were filled with Jesus being human, just like us. We don't process this a lot. I mean, think about it. Just go with me a moment. Jesus had to learn how to walk. I mean, he made legs. And he had to learn how to walk. And he had to learn how to talk. And while he was learning how to walk and talk, he fell, He fell just like a toddler, like a little kid, right? And cried for his mama. You ever thought about that? Jesus cried, mothers, think about this. He cried, what, what if, you know, you see Jesus crying for his mom, skint knees. Every kid gets them. Yeah. At some point in Jesus's childhood, he was bent over a bucket, just puking his guts up, because the kid down the street didn't have his mask on. And they passed around the stomach virus. Yeah, you know that goes. Yeah, you don't like to think of Jesus like this, but Jesus would get upset stomach. You know that Jesus burped inevitably. Jesus had gas. Jesus was human. He'd get headaches. Jesus no doubt had an awkward phase growing up. I mean, he went through the middle school years too. Maybe he had really bad acne. Or maybe he was tall and, and lanky or just clumsy, right? Tripping over things, knocking things over. Uh, could have been he was kind of short and stocky, maybe even chunky. We, we don't know. But we can know that he was human. Maybe he had a sweet tooth. Maybe there was something, man, he just loved to eat and it was hard for him to put it down. And you knew Jesus would get hurt. I mean, his dad was a carpenter. Think about it, helping dad around the shop. You know, eventually Jesus is gonna hit his thumb with a hammer. I wonder what Jesus would have said after he hit his thumb with a hammer. I know what I say, I know what you say, I know what we say, we hit our thumb with a hammer. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe he said, me. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I've been holding on to that all week. You know that Jesus had a sense of humor, like some of you need right now? You know why? Because some of you are thinking, mm, uh, can I laugh at this? It almost feels irreverent, doesn't it? That's exactly why I took you down this road. This, it almost feels irreverent. Like, oh, we're not supposed to laugh at that. We're, You don't talk about Jesus that way. What? Jesus' humanity? He would want us to understand how human he was. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, we get a glimpse of that. We get a glimpse of Jesus' humanity and with a couple of things he said. He's dying on the cross, and a couple of the things he said give us a glimpse into just how human Jesus is. Let's look at it. John writes... And when Jesus saw his mother, Mary, standing there. She was standing there beside a disciple he loved. Now, let me explain this real quick. Obviously, his mother is Mary. Um, at this point, Joseph had died. We're not exactly sure how he died, but Jesus's earthly father, Joseph, um, was deceased, and so Mary is there. We don't know where Jesus's half-brothers and sisters were. Evidently, they were not at the cro- uh, cross, the crucifixion time. Uh, we do know that those of his brothers and sisters that became followers of Jesus probably did not fo- start following him until a little bit later on, uh, probably after the resurrection, which would make sense. You know, I mean, what would your brother or sister have to do to convince you that they're the son of God? Probably after raised from the, you know, come back from the dead. And then you're like, okay, I'm a believer because I saw his face. Now I'm a, okay, bad, 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 bad but you won't forget it. So Jesus is hanging on the cross and and he looks down and he sees Mary and Mary is standing beside one of his disciples, the disciple that Jesus loved. And you're like, well, didn't Jesus love all the disciples? Yes, but this is a specific disciple. John is writing this and John was the youngest of the disciples. Jesus took John under his wing when he began following him and Probably took real good care of him and they developed a very, very special bond, John and Jesus. And every time, almost every time, John referred to himself in his depiction of Jesus' ministry, in the book of John in the New Testament, he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Maybe it was just a, a term of endearment saying, I know how much Jesus loved me. I'm the guy that Jesus loved so much. Now, John knew that Jesus loved everybody. Suffice it to say, this is Mary and John. So Jesus looks down, he sees Mary and John, and watch. He said to Mary, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, John, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. So what's that got to do with Jesus being human? Because think, think about this. Think about what's going on. Jesus is suffering, dying for the sins of the world, and it's like he hit a timeout just for a moment. And just for a moment, instead of focusing on the sin of the world and what's going on and what this cosmically meant and spiritually and eternally and all of that, he realized, oh, wait, there's mom. There's mom. And John, 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 can you take care of mom? Hey, mom, mom, John's going to look after you. You see, in the first century, a woman without a husband was pretty much disregarded in every way. And so you see Jesus here in a very human moment looking at John saying, John, can you take care of mama? He just wanted to make sure his mama was going to be okay. Just wanted to make sure mama was going to be good. We can relate to that, right? Can you imagine? Human. And then John keeps writing. Here's another thing Jesus said hanging on the cross that helps us see his humanity. John kept writing and pointed out that Jesus knew, he was getting to the point where he knew that this was all about to wrap up. His mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. Like, okay, well, what's that got to do with anything? Okay, so he's thirsty. What's the big deal? Because you can let that sink in. Let that sink in, okay? What was this letting us know about Jesus? Jesus? in an amazing way, just how human and in need he was. He was thirsty. I'm talking about the guy that created water. He came up with the idea and realized, if I take two parts of this hydrogen that I created and one part of this oxygen that I created, and we put these suckers together, we get water. And I'm gonna make oceans out of this, and he did. I'm gonna make rivers and streams, the maker of rain was thirsty. I mean, he had such a command over this element that one day he took it and it instantaneously turned it into wine and the party picked up. His first miracle, his first recorded miracle, turning water to wine. We're talking about this guy, the guy who in John chapter four sat down and had a conversation with a woman at the well and said, listen, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for something to drink and I would give you living water and you would never thirst again. Wow. So this man is hanging on the cross. He's saying, I'm thirsty. Watch what happened. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it and put it on a hyssop branch and they held it up to his lips, which would have quenched no one's thirst. It was a mockery. And actually, a fulfillment of scripture in Psalm chapter 22 and in Psalm chapter 69, we have predicted that this would happen, and it happened. It played right out just as it was predicted. Jesus is thirsty. Hey, have you ever had a need? Have you ever had a need in your life, and you asked somebody to meet it, or you expected them to meet it, or you wanted them to meet it, and instead of them meeting it, they made it worse? By what they did or what they said, instead of meeting that need and solving that problem, what they did, what they attempted, maybe unintentionally or intentionally, they made it worse. Yeah, because that's what happens to us humans. This is exactly what happened to Jesus. I'm thirsty. They didn't give him anything to quench his thirst. What they gave him actually made it worse. Another example, just another example. The fact that Jesus knew what it was like to be human, he knows the human struggle. Now, it doesn't mean that Jesus has been through everything that you have been through. I mean, there are certain things that we go through as human beings that Jesus hasn't had the experience, okay? If you're a woman, Jesus never gave birth, but it doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't know great pain, right? Maybe he's never been fired from a job, but it doesn't mean Jesus doesn't know what great loss is about. Jesus doesn't have to go through everything that we've gone through. Specifically, in order to identify with everything we have felt. He has felt and knows great pain and loss, suffering, challenge, betrayal, being misunderstood. Jesus knows what it's like to be isolated. Let us not forget that Jesus was a minority. He grew up in a minority society. He was Jewish. And in first century, in the Roman Empire, you were a minority if you were Jewish. Jewish. There's no Jewish privilege. No. So he knew what it was like to be oppressed. Hey, have you ever been taken advantage of? Jesus knows what it's like to be taken advantage of. People took advantage of him all the time. In fact, they still do. Don't we? Jesus knows temptation. Once early on in his ministry, at the very beginning of everything, he spent 40 days in the middle of nowhere, enduring temptation. He knows what it's like to be human. Jesus knows great need, all the way down to the most basic need of being thirsty and wanting to make sure, I need to make sure mama is taken care of. John, take care of mom. And Jesus knew what it was like to be exhausted, Jesus knew what it was like to be weary. Whatever it is that you say says human, Jesus knew it. Jesus didn't live in a divine bubble, protected from the the elements of humanity. He didn't live protected. He fully immersed himself in humanity. Jesus knows what it's like to be human. You're like, well, that's great. That's interesting. But what's that got to do with me? Everything. Because what that tells us, not only does Jesus know what it's like to be human, he knows what you're like as a human. He knows what you're like as a human being. Whatever is going on in your life right now that reminds you of your weakness, your limitation, your need, Jesus is clued in to that. In the Old Testament, King David writes in the Psalms a song and in this song, in Psalm 103, he writes a couple of lines that I, I have always just gotten a great kick out of. I mean, I, I read these lines for years and I've been so encouraged and I hope they encourage you. I want to share them with you. But they have everything to do with the fact of God understanding who we are and what we're like and what we're up against I want you to think, Jesus was not only human, he knows what you're like as a human. This is what King David writes in the Psalms. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. That's right, you're dust, I'm dust. You say, what? Where does that come from? Let me take you back, a couple quick things. Genesis, in the very beginning of the scriptures, in the poem of how creation came about, of how the world came about. When God created Adam, it described it in a very poetic, beautiful way. And he said it, he said it like this. He said, God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Out of the dust of the ground. You'd see, you know, God got out a big Swiffer. Whew. or something like that. And we know what happens to human bodies after they die, right? Given enough time, we decay, we decompose, eventually to the point where our bodies go back to dust, ash. So we start as dust, we end up as dust. This is what, this is what David's saying. He knows, he knows, he knows that just, I'm just like in between forms of dust here. Started as dust, I'll end up as dust. Now in the middle, we're held together by all kinds of stuff that you and I are still figuring out. The medical world, the medical community, scientific world is still figuring out all the stuff that holds us together and makes us who we are in between dust and dust. But you know what this reminds us? Is that he knows, he knows, he knows, he knows what we're like as human beings. Your individual struggle is not lost on him. Whatever it is you're going through that reminds you of just how human you are, your biggest challenge. I don't know what your biggest challenge is, but you know what it is and you need to know that he knows what it is. And I'm not saying that he just knows is like, yeah, Bill's going through some stuff. I know, you know, George, you know, Sally, Sue, she's having a tough week. No, 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 no. He has intimate knowledge of not just what's going on in your life, but what it feels like to go through it and what you're struggling with all the way to the core of who you are. Your biggest challenge, he knows, whether it's relational, a health thing, a job thing, a money thing, he identifies with your greatest struggle. He knows what you're like as a human being. Do you know Jesus is fully aware of all the things you don't like about yourself? You probably got a pretty long list of things you don't like about yourself, if you're like most of us. You're like, nah. I think I'm pretty good. Okay, we'll do a series for you later. But for the rest of us, we look in the mirror and we're like, oh, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. I don't like that. He knows all of that. Because he knows what you're like as a human being. Whatever your deepest fear is, he knows. Whatever your greatest anxiety is, what makes you just tremble, he knows. Whatever makes you worry, I mean, there's some things I don't ever worry about, but there's some things I just, get, I, I just get within seeing distance of it and I start worrying. I start worrying. Yeah, like I'm going through something like right now. I mean, there's something going on in my life like right now that makes me worry awful. He said, what is it? Well, it's none of your business. But, but, but I know he knows. He, he knows what makes you weak. He knows how you're weak, how you're limited. He knows all the things that confuse you. Man, don't we have a lot of things that are confusing? I don't understand this. I don't understand this. I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why this broke. I don't understand why they died. I don't understand why this didn't happen. I don't understand why that happened. All kinds of confusions. He knows it. He knows it. Every, every bit of it. He knows all of your doubts. I have doubts too. And he knows all your questions. Boy, don't we have questions. I would love to get some answers to. He knows all of that and is not intimidated by any of it. Not even the stuff that's aimed at him. Like, I don't know why we think we have to pretend. Why is it that we think we have to pretend when it comes to God? Like, put on an air. Like pretend that everything, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, nope, I'm having faith, I'm having faith, I'm just, yep, yep, chin up and all that sort of thing. Wait, do we not think he knows? Do we not think he sees? Do we not think and realize he understands that we are dust, 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 and somewhere in between? It's Struggling. He knows what we're like as human beings. We don't have to pretend like we have it all together. We can be real. We can be honest, even blunt. Because he knows what we're like as human beings. I want to share one more thing with you. I'm going to bring all this together. Jesus knows what it's like to be human. And he knows what you're like as a human. But here's something that I think helps us piece all this together. Because this is where we live. You and I, we don't like our humanity. What we want is for Jesus to remove our humanity. But what Jesus wants is to join us in it. I want him to remove the stuff I'm worrying about. I want him to fix it, change it, all the pain, the struggle, My questions, I want answers to them. The confusion, I really want some clarity. I want Jesus to remove all of the things in my life that remind me how stinking human and weak and challenged I am. All the struggles, that's what I want. And that's what you want. It's what all of us want. And here's the good news, one day he will. One day he will. The day is coming when he said he will make all things new. We're not there yet. That will be heaven, and we ain't there yet. Until then, we want him to remove our struggles. We want him to remove our humanity, but he's like, I'm not gonna remove your humanity. I'm gonna do something better. I'm gonna show up in the middle of it. I'm gonna join you in it. And in his sovereign wisdom, he knows that joining us in whatever it is that we are struggling with is better for us now than just removing it. Now, sometimes he removes things. Sometimes things get better. Sometimes things get fixed. Sometimes things go away. But they're typically replaced with something else. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah, we say it. If it ain't one thing, it's the other. You guys have other too? I have other. Yeah. He wants to join us in it because we think somewhere along the way, that our humanity separates us from him, that our humanity gets in the way. No, it doesn't. All of the things that make you human, all of the things you struggle with do not separate you from him. It actually connects you to him. We share this camaraderie of humanity with Jesus. And the clearer you see your humanity, Paul says it like this. Paul says, it's my weakness that helps me experience his strength. I've learned, I've learned that when I'm weak, that's when I experience the strength of Christ. The more human I realize I am, the more I get to experience him, and to know him, and to trust him, and to experience his power, and draw close to him. I know there are things in your life that you just wished he would remove. Wouldn't be so much easier? And you maybe say it to your spouse, say it to your wife, your husband, maybe your close friend, or, or someone in your family, somebody you know. You say, you know what? If it wasn't for this, my life would be pretty stinking okay. I mean, if it just wasn't for this, if I could just get this, and we always have a this. You'll always, on this side of eternity, always have a this. And sometimes your this is a them. There's always gonna be something. And we just wish he would fix it. Take it away now. Because you can. God, I believe you can. And maybe you've been praying and asking him. Maybe, maybe this helps. To understand that his primary agenda is not to remove humanity from you, but to join you in it. To show up in it. To climb up in the mess of it with you. And walk you through it because see then the day when the day comes when he makes all things new and he does remove the human struggle from us we will be so much more grateful for what we learned on the journey and I don't like that I don't like that I I want just to remove it just take it away take it away take it away but in his sovereign wisdom joining us is better See, Jesus was constantly inviting people to come to him when they were overwhelmed with their humanity. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. Come to me. Come to me. And he still does. He invites you. He invites people. He invites us to share our humanity with him. You need to know that you are seen, you are heard, you are known, and you are understood in your struggle, whatever it is. Your struggle does not keep him away from you. It actually draws him closer to you because he is close to the brokenhearted, we're told. Those are the people in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus said were blessed when they hurt, when they mourned. He said, yeah, it, it actually brings us together a human struggle and know this whatever it is in your life that's going wrong that reminds you just how screwed up you are he's not surprised dust remember he knows he knows he's not surprised and he's not mad at you because of it he's not even disappointed he knows what it's like to be human and he knows what you're like as a human and he wants to join you he welcomes you. He is patient with you. He is understanding with you. And he wants to empower you. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. And I wish I did. I wish I had the time to get to know all of your stories. And, and know what it is. That nagging thing in your life right now. Maybe it's been there for a long time. Maybe it just popped up yesterday. That, that just, you just wish he would just take away, take away it just reminds me of how messed up I am and how much in need I am. No, 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 no. He's going to leave it right there just for the time being and join you in it. Now, he may change it. He may remove it, but I promise you, his primary agenda, until he removes it, is to climb up in it with you. That's what he does best. That's what we need most. Let's pray. Father, We need this most. To experience what it means for you to join us in our struggle, I would much rather you just remove it. I would just much rather you fix it and you promise that one day you will, but until you do, joining us in it is how you will do the work that we need you to do in our hearts, is how we will experience your power and experience your strength And Father, I don't know how my friends are struggling, but you do, and I know they do. Father, I thank you for helping us see the humanity of Jesus, that he knows, he knows. And it doesn't separate us from him. It actually brings us closer together. So help us bring our humanity to you and all of its ugliness and all of the challenges with all of the questions and the doubts and the anger and the frustration and the I don't understand[s] and the how could yous and the, Father, bring it all to you so that you will meet us there and journey with us in it until the day comes when you remove it. What a wonderful day that will be. Help us to know that between now and then, You are joining us in Jesus' name.